Nehemiah was single-minded in his work for the Lord. He wasn't stopping what God had called him to do. Uh, Oftentimes I hear people say, Christians say that they need a break. I'm getting burned out. The reason you get burned out is because you're not doing it with passion. You're not doing it because you love to do or serve the Lord. But we as Christians need to understand that the Lord is calling us to something great. And yet oftentimes we begin to put more focus on being tired and less focus on God, and that's kind of what the enemy wants us to do. There's a phrase that says, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Unfortunately, not everyone can find a job that they love, but as believers, this concept can apply as well. As Pastor Mark points out in today's message, oftentimes believers serve in their church out of a sense of obligation. They may have good intentions, but before long, instead of finding fulfillment in serving Christ, they find themselves burnt out and in need of a break. This shouldn't be your approach to serving. Service should be done out of gratitude and a desire to serve the God who gave up so much to bring you into His family. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Nehemiah chapter 6 for today's edition of Come Alive. We're in Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to finish up. So Nehemiah chapter 6, if you'll turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, it's in the Old Testament. We're going to continue in our verse-by-verse study of Nehemiah chapter 6. And we're going to pick up in verse 10. But we're going to give, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a, a context here for Nehemiah. And so if we recap just a little bit from last week, let's think about it. Remember Sanballat and Tobiah, those are two characters, and the rest of the enemies were calling Nehemiah for a peace summit. Remember, they, they wanted him, and they thought to do Nehemiah some harm. So Nehemiah was wise to all of that. He knew that they were just trying to halt the progress of the building of the wall around the city. And so the enemies were persistent in calling Nehemiah out and away from his work. And and let me say this. We talked about this last week, so I'm just going to touch on it today. That will happen. As as we are doing the Lord's work, the enemy is going to be persistent in calling you and trying to distract you away. And we talked about some things last week. Sometimes he can use your distraction. He'll use your family as a distraction. Sometimes he'll use your work. He'll use circumstances, situations, maybe money, clothing, your body, something. He will use whatever he can to distract you from doing the Lord's work. And so one thing we noticed is that Nehemiah was single-minded in his work for the Lord. He wasn't stopping what God had called him to do. Oftentimes I hear people say, Christians say that they need a break. I'm getting burned out. The reason you get burned out is because you're not doing it with passion. You're not doing it because you love to do or serve the Lord. But we as Christians need to understand that the Lord is calling us to something great. And yet oftentimes we begin to put more focus on being tired and less focus on God. And that's kind of what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to really focus on self more than we focus on God. And when we focus on self a lot, 
uh, well, that self-focus distracts us away from the Lord, we become our own idol. We become our own God. We begin to think along the lines of self. See, Nehemiah could have said, man, we've been working really, really hard. And these guys have tried to stop God's work. And now that we are done, because we're going to see that they're finished, now that we're done, I mean, the only thing we really need to do is just hang a few doors. I guess I could delegate that job to someone else, and I could go see what these guys want, take a little break, a lunch break maybe. After all, they, they just want to admit defeat because actually we have won. It wasn't a war, but we have accomplished what we needed to accomplish. And I don't think anybody would have blamed the guy for stopping and taking some time off to go down to the plain of Ono and hang out with these guys for a peace summit uh, because the people were kind of afraid and they were probably thinking this, you know, there were probably some on Nehemiah's right that were saying, hey, you know, this might be a good idea for you to go down there and talk to them because it'll stop the threats. And and if we can stop the threats, it'll stop the worry. And if we stop the worry, then uh, the work will continue and we will be able to work better in peace because nobody likes to work when they're worried. But nobody would have blamed him. But in Matthew 6, one of the things we see there is, and Jesus told and he commanded his disciples, and if we are those people, followers of Christ, we are his disciples, Jesus commanded them in Matthew six thirty three to seek first. Notice the words there. If you're a note taker, write down Matthew six thirty three. But what it says is seek first, not when it's convenient, or, or not when we're rested, or not when we're financially stable, or when everyone is in good health, or when the time is just right, but seek first, rather seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all. then it says, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, what are the these things? That's the question we should always ask. Any good Bible student would ask that question. What are the these things? The same things you and I have opportunity every single day to worry about. Food, clothing, and health. Food, clothing, and health. Well, let's put it a different way. Mortgage, grocery, our children, our physical bodies. The same thing. Because prior to 633, verse 32, says that the Gentiles worry about those things. Those that are, do not belong into God's kingdom. Prior to that, God talks about the little birds of the air and the grass of the field. And he says, you know, though Solomon had everything, and if you read anything about Solomon, this is a man who had everything. He, he had all the sex he wanted. He had concubines. He had many wives. He, he brought in billions of dollars a year. So he had money, and that's back then, billions of dollars. He had everything any man or woman would ever want. But he did not have, at one point in his life, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, he did not have satisfaction because all that stuff drew his attention, distracted him away from the Lord. So Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. And all those things, if you just seek God first, nobody's saying quit your job. Nobody's saying you need to live as a pauper or poor or any of that stuff. Just seek first God's kingdom and all those other things will be added to you. You won't need to worry about that junk. So Nehemiah was not distracted. He was not fooled into thinking these guys wanted peace. If you look back at verse 10, look with me there of chapter 6, what it says. It says, Afterwards I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, and the son of Methedabel, who was a secret informer. And he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, 
for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. Now, let's take a look at this here. It says he was a secret informer. We're going to find out this guy's a false prophet. But just because he's a false prophet doesn't mean he's not telling the truth. He's being very deceptive. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of people will be deceptive and they don't think it's a lie, but deception is wrong. See, Nehemiah highlights a few episodes that exemplified the atmosphere in Jerusalem at the time. He had made a visit to this guy's house, Shemaiah. He was one of the Jews. He didn't have to go outside of the city walls. He goes to this guy's house. Shemaiah was said to be a prophet because he pronounced this prophecy, but he was not. Shemaiah offered Nehemiah safe haven in the temple. And so it's kind of like, well, you know, this is a good place. The idea was that though Nehemiah was said to be threatened, he could find refuge in the temple. Let, Let me say this. Let's pause for a moment. We as Christians need to be very careful. Just because it sounds like it's from the Bible, just because it sounds like it's holy, beware. Because when you really think about it, you know, you, we've often heard this, and, and I've told you this before, that it's not God's word. You don't find it anywhere in the Bible that God helps those who help themselves, right? That is not true. That's not true. If anything, God says, I don't want you helping yourself. I want you to be dependent wholeheartedly upon me. I want you to be surrendered to me. I want you to look to me for your food, your clothes, just like we read. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be. I want you to look at God. I want you to look at me. Jesus is what he's saying, first and foremost, before you look at anything else. So just because it sounds like it, and just because somebody walks around carrying one of these, and I tell you the same thing, don't trust me because I am a man. I am going to make mistakes. Trust this. Check out what I say against this and make sure it's the truth. Yesterday, I I was at a home run derby with my son, and this lady had said something about uh, something we got talking on on uh, me being a pastor. And she was uh, a Muslim, and she had converted. And so we were talking, and, and, and she was asking me some questions. And she said, so tell me, which church is the true church? And I said, well, what, what are you talking about? I, I need a little more info before I can just answer that question, because that's a very broad, general, I mean, we're painting with a, a dust mop. And she said, well, you're non-denominational. What about Catholics and Protestants and Baptists and all this stuff? And I always tell my Baptist jokes to Baptists. And there's a lady that was Baptist there. But anyway, we got into this discussion and she said, well, you know, Jesus told Peter he was the rock that he would build his church on. And I said, I bet I can tell you what church you go to. And she goes, what? And I go, you're Catholic. And she goes, yes, that's true. I said, well, in context, and the minute I brought up context, no, 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 Dr. So-and-so. And I was like, okay. So you, I was like, so, you know, and my wife was there, and I was like, hey, what was that? And I was trying to find the Baptist joke and trying to get out of telling it and make my wife tell the joke so I wouldn't be the enemy. So I was like, hey, what was that joke I always tell about Baptists in the liquor store? And she was just like, <laughs> smiles at me like, you're on your own, dude. Good luck. And you stepped into that mess all by yourself. And I was like, you know. So we had this conversation because she was very quick. She pulls her by, you know, has her little Bible and showed it to me and started talking and quoting verses. And I could have sat there easily. And for some reason, the Lord did not allow my mouth to stop moving. 
And she was saying all this stuff. And I could have easily just said, yeah, yeah, that's there. That's there. That's what it says. And it does say that, but not in context, not in the way she was reading it. And so I was trying to let her know. And she just, she wasn't going to have, she wasn't going to listen. So I was like, fine, cool. I I just know not to listen because if she's willing to take one verse out of context, she'd be willing to take, she goes, well, that's your interpretation. I said, no, ma'am. I said, it's not my interpretation. It never should ever be my interpretation. There is one interpretation, one interpretation only, and many different applications, but never many interpretations. And she just wanted to keep on going, I'm Iranian, I know how all this works. And I'm like, great, well, then why are you reading all these other men's opinions when you should be reading this and looking at it in context? And let me just give you a couple of verses to bounce off of with that if you'll look it up when you go home. No, I don't want to hear it. Okay, cool. Well, then I just looked at her in front of a group of people watching kids play baseball, our sons, who are on the same team. I said, listen, we'll just have to agree to disagree agreeably. Okay? Okay. High five. Bam. And we went to eating hot dogs or whatever we were doing. See, we need to be careful. Just because somebody comes toting a Bible, quoting from the Bible, it's easy to take Matthew 6.33, and this is where I'm going, and take that verse and say, you know, seek first the kingdom and God will add all these things to you. And a lot of people take that and say, yeah, you're going to be rich, you're going to be wealthy, you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're going to... No, 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 you got to be careful because what that verse is actually talking about is worry, anxiety, fear. Jesus is saying, if you just have faith and trust in me, all your stuff will be taken care of. I will provide you what you need. I'm not going to give you steak and lobster every night, but all the things that you need, what you need, just what you need, and sometimes an abundance of what you need will be taken care of. Psalm 61.4 says this, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Again, it sounds very reasonable what Shemaiah is saying, and one might even take some scripture to support it. You can do that. People have done that. But be careful. What Nehemiah needed was discernment, and he needed it now more than ever, and he gets it, and I'm going to show you how he does this because it's very important that we do this too. Look at verse 11 with me. Verse 11 says, And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life. I will not go in. So here's what happens is beware of flattering Christians. They they will be the first to rejoice when you go down. Those flattering Christians. See, Nehemiah needed discernment. He got it. Knowing the heart of God as it is revealed in the whole counsel of God's word, not just parts of it, not just parts of it, It was true what that lady said. Jesus did tell Peter that, but not in context, not in the way she took it out of context. And it is true that Shemaiah says, why don't you run to the temple? Because we did just back it up with that psalm and say, it is for us to run into God's temple. It is for us to run and take shelter there. But Nehemiah, knowing the heart of God as it's revealed in the whole council from beginning to end, of God's word, he had discernment. Shemaiah tried to create fear in Nehemiah and tried to get him to disobey God based on his fear. And you might be thinking, well, how is he trying to get him to disobey God? Here's how. If you know anything about the Old Testament, I know most of you do because we've gone through it verse by verse, line upon line, many times in Exodus and and different books in the Old Testament, you should know this, that only who is allowed in the temple the priests. 
inside of the temple. In the temple courts, the Gentiles or the people were allowed, but not until the New Testament were the Gentiles because they had the court of the Gentile. They had the court of the women. So the priests were the only ones allowed inside of the temple. And Nehemiah was not a priest. He would have been disobeying God if he had done what Shemaiah had asked of him. So sometimes beware of what people tell you to do just because it sounds holy, just because it sounds biblical. In Second Chronicles 26, King Uzziah, who was not a priest, went into the temple. And what did God do to him? He instantly struck him with leprosy. See, he seeks, what Shemaiah is trying to do is he's seeking to persuade Nehemiah into an easygoing, compromising religion that will basically just shirk persecution, that will carry no cross, and that's governed by fear of the opinions of other people. See, the same things can happen to you and I if we're not careful. Uh, There's a lot of that going on. It's like, oh, cool, you know, I heard somebody the other day go, dude, I really love my church. I was like, what do you love about it? They're like, dude, we don't use the Bible. Well, really? Not at all? Well, I mean, you know, we use verses out of it, but, I mean, we don't have to bring a Bible. We don't have to read the Bible. There's just, it's really kind of cool. We talk about, and I told you about the guy, yeah, what book are you going through? Well, I'm going through Nehemiah. What? I'm going through the book called Freedom. Freedom? Where's that? Oh, this guy wrote it. It's a really good book. That's what we're going through at our church. (laughs) you belong to a book club. See, sometimes we're persuaded to go through an easygoing, compromising faith, which is no faith at all. If we are told not to carry the cross, if we are not spoken to about sin, if we're not told to repent of that, then I would be aware of what that person is preaching. See, the message had all the marks of authenticity that Shemaiah was talking about, but it was used to elicit fear. Let us meet together in the house of God, he says. Man, that sounds holy. Come, let's meet in the house of the Lord. Let's pray together. Shemaiah knew how to use religious talk, but he was, it was still a trap. Nehemiah didn't freak out. He didn't panic. He didn't succumb. He didn't give in to self-interest. He measured his message by the known revelation of God and the law that was entrusted to Israel. You know, you're entrusted with something great, and it's this, with God's word. Plant it in your heart. Live it out every day. And and I'll tell you, you'll be fooled less and less the more you do. Nehemiah had recognized what God had for him to do, and so he needed to remain at one's post despite all the threats that were against him and despite his own safety. See, you and I have a position in Christ. And running away does not fit that position that we have. We are always told to stand. If we were told to run away, I don't think the put on the full armor of God verse would be in the Bible at all. We're never told to run away. We're told to stand. We're sometimes even told to suffer well. So you and I have that position in Christ. Nehemiah's second question casts doubt on the veracity of Shemaiah's original message and the integrity of the messenger. Look at verse the second half of verse 11 again. And it says, I who would go into the temple, or it says, and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Nehemiah stood brave against this religious deception. 
You and I are called to stand brave against religious deception. That, that doesn't mean we're to be argumentative. I wasn't trying to argue with the lady yesterday. I was just trying to correct a wrong. I was trying to put somebody on the right path and say, hey, you know, I, I would really love to see you worship God. Not here at Cal, just wherever you want to go, as long as it's a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. See, in his commitment to obedience, God revealed to him the heart of this man. And sometimes that is what we need to do is ask the Lord, can you... Just pray. Shoot up a quick prayer. It doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to have all the theological words in it. Just, Lord, help me understand. Help me hear. Help me see. Give me discernment. And God revealed to him the heart of this guy who was not a true prophet. Instead, he was on sand ballots, the enemy's payroll. See, it was a violation of the law for someone who was not a priest to enter into the temple. And Nehemiah had predetermined that he wasn't going to compromise. Predetermined. That word predetermined means we decide beforehand. We predetermine that we're not going to sin. We predetermine that we will make a covenant with our eyes as men. We are not going to look at those things that we shouldn't look at. We are not going to look at another woman that is not our wife. We predetermine the walk we will have. We predetermine that this is the life. And yeah, you know what? Are you going to fail? Sure you are. Miserably you will fail. But we pop back up, we stand, we don't crawl away, we stand back up and we repent of our sins and we say, Lord, forgive me. And what true repentance is, is walking away from it. Never to go back to visit it again. Never to go back to that same thing again. Let me ask you, have you predetermined that you as well will not compromise your walk with your Lord and Savior? Just predetermine that. It's hard. See, because when someone comes with biblical advice that is against what God's word says, do not waver, and it will help you not to waver. You will stand firm. Yesterday, I, I had the opportunity to teach at a men's conference that was at a gun range. I called it the Manival. It's kind of a play on words with man and carnival. And we got to shoot guns, and one of the one of the classes they were giving, they said, listen, you guys paid for it, you might as well get it. Sometimes you forget as a shooter when you're shooting your handgun how to stand. So everybody that is an experienced shooter, stand up and show us your stance. There's some guys that had their knees locked, and as a pastor, if you've ever been to a wedding, one of the things as a best man or a groomsman, they always tell you, don't lock your knees. Why? Because it restricts the airflow. Because an athletic stance is like this, right? Airflow. You restrict the airflow, well, your brain starts to do different things. And, and I learned something yesterday I didn't know. If you wear glasses and you're shooting a gun sometimes, and especially and it was a, like a self-defense shooting thing, and somebody's running at you, it, you're, you get tunnel vision quicker than anybody else that doesn't wear glasses or contacts. Every time you open the Bible, you witness God stepping into situations that seem difficult and even hopeless. He takes those times of insecurity and people of little courage and creates warriors, building good up where evil had taken control. In Nehemiah, you've been witnessing this same story as God has led his people to rebuild the wall around their city. God had promised to restore Israel, and he kept his word. If God did this for his people time and time again, doesn't it hold true that he'll do that for you as well? God still makes promises today, and he continues to fulfill them. We're so glad you joined us today for Come Alive. You can hear more teachings from Pastor Mark at ComeAliveRadio.com or join us next time to continue studying Nehemiah. Before we end our time with you, though, Tracy has a request to share. Here at Come Alive, we want to make sure we're following God, 
not what other people around us are saying. With everything we do, we want to honor our Creator and point people to salvation. That's where you come in. We'd appreciate your prayers for Pastor Mark and all of us here at Come Alive. Would you lift us up to the Lord each time you listen to our program? Thank you for interceding on our behalf. Would you consider donating to Come Alive too? Any amount is helpful, and you can easily donate by texting 77977. That's 77977. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this, and thanks for tuning in for today's edition of Come Alive. Some slaves are what we want.